2: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I dive deep into the upcoming James Harden contract talks, going over what the Sixers' priorities should be, what outside factors could influence the negotiations, how much of a threat other teams would be to sign him outright, and what kind of contracts we'd be interested in offering Harden. Enjoy the podcast. Alright, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich?
0: Derek, I'm doing great.
2: Are you doing five years, $270 million great?
0: No, but I don't think James Harden's doing no,
2: that No, I don't think either. he's doing that great either. So that is going to be the topic of today's podcast. We're going to talk about uh, what the Sixers should do, or could do, or maybe might do. Maybe a combination of all three with James Harden's contract over the summer. Uh, so obviously he has a forty-seven point, what is it, four million dollar player option mm-hmm. for next season. The Sixers could then negotiate an extension that would be upwards of an additional four years and two hundred and seventy million dollars, something in that range, something ungodly absurd, which won't happen after everything that has happened. You assume it better not happen. So we're gonna take a step back and sort of talk about all the considerations that go into that. Uh, what we think might be wise for them to do, where our heads are at with that. And I'm going to sort of start this off by saying my numbers are still a little bit in flux. I don't want to get into too much of exact numbers. I'll talk some numbers, yeah. but I'm still sort of throwing stuff around in my head that will probably come out in a future column. But where our sort of heads are at. So I guess I'll sort of just start this off with a couple of the major considerations for the Sixers. First of all, there's a the short-term ability to feel the team around Embiid, Harden, and Maxi, And a part of that is the apron threshold, which is set, I believe, for 150, or projected for $155.7 million next season. Basically what that means, if you want to stay under that, and if you can't stay under that, you get a larger mid-level, like a 10.3 non-taxpayer mid-level versus something in the $6 million range. So you get a bigger mid-level exception you use, you can attract a better free agent. You also get a biannual exception We're somewhere in the $4 million range. There's also some sign-and-trade restrictions, but that's probably not a big uh, consideration for the Sixers, because quite frankly, they don't have any matching salary to use anyway. So signing him to a lesser deal gives you more flexibility under that number. They're currently, I think— But they also couldn't
0: go over that number in a trade, too. Correct, correct. You can take a a lopsided
2: trade, you have more flexibility, 100%. So right now, if you assume they're not going to have Danny Green's $10 million contract on the books— They're about $12 million under that apron threshold. So if you sign Harden to a longer term deal, but it's less money, let's say $40 million, you save $7 million this year, you could theoretically use the bigger mid-level exceptions, build a deeper team. That's one consideration. The other consideration is in the summer of 2024, Tyrese Maxey is going to have a cap hold that's about $18 million less than what his eventual contract will be. So you have a, and that's also the same summer that Tobias Harris's contract comes off the books. You have a chance, depending on what you do with this contract, to have significant cap space two years down the line, depending on what you do with James Harden's contract. One of the other major considerations is that there's a new national TV deal, which could reportedly be up worth up to $75 billion. I believe that reporting comes from our former colleague and CNBC writer Jabari Young. To put that in perspective, the current TV deal, and we all remember what this national TV deal did to the cap back in 2016, that was a $24 million deal over the same length of time. You're talking about a difference in, you know, per year revenue from that national TV deal jumping from about $2.6 billion to nearly $8 billion. And again, these aren't finalized. They're still in negotiations. These are just projections from league sources, but that could cause Again, projections, a spike of the salary cap for the 2025-2026 season could go from what are current projections of about $137 million cap to $171 million cap if they don't smooth it. So the Sixers could have a core... Which they they should. They should, but the Players Association was very strongly against that last time. It led to some pretty disastrous results, both for teams, the Evan Turners, Kent Bazemores, of the world. Uh, who was the a guy of the Lakers? And Mozgov.
0: Mozgov. And, uh, but then
2: also some depressed summers in tw- like 2018 where teams didn't have cap space because they spent it all at once.
0: Yep. And the Warriors were really good for three
2: years. Yeah. And the <laughs> Warriors the built the best team of all time. So, depending on what they do with cap smoothing, there could be a massive jump here in three years in a salary cap, which impacts, I think, a lot of stuff from Tyrese Maxey. Could Tyrese Maxey take a qualifying offer rather than signing a long-term deal in 2024 so he can hit that big payday in the bigger cap. It impacts a lot of other, I think, free agents in 2024 wanting to take short-term deals so they can sign their long-term deals when that bigger cap number is there. Uh, And it also means that if you sign James Harden to a contract, a long-term contract, especially if you can, and we'll get it later, if you can get it where it could de-escalate, that Cap number in twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six could be lower because the cap has jumped up. So there's not a ba-
0: it's not as bad as it looks now. Right. Yeah.
2: So there's a lot at play here. And those are sort of like laying out the sort of major considerations in this that go just beyond like, do you have faith in James Harden?
0: Yeah. And I think when you talk about the Sixers off season, you know, whether they'll trade Harris, what exceptions they'll use, how they'll fill out the bench, you know, those type of things. It all starts with this decision. Yeah. Like this, this is number one, and this has to be completely done before you can proceed and do all the rest of that stuff. So look, this is the first thing. And like you said, there are two options. I think the, the one thing I would add is that in your projection where they're at like 145 million right now, you know, about 10 million under that apron, that is with in opting into the $47 million contract. Yep. And that's, look, I think most of us care. Let, let's start with next year. Like the team, building the team around Embiid, your first consideration that you made. Um, the first thing that I think of is that apron, right? And, and if you can get, first off, like you still might be able to wiggle into spending that 10.4, whatever it is, the, the larger yep. mid-level exception which a lot of teams are not going to have. Uh, a lot of teams like th- there is legitimate like bidding power to be you can get a real player yep. with that uh with that. You can get a starting level player somebody who certainly will stick in your rotation and for this team that's really important. You might be able to finagle away to do that with Harden opting into his contract, but if you can get him to knock that down 10 million dollars even. And by the way, like I think a lot of people have used the Chris Paul Extension is like the ideal Sixers, the the, the quote unquote fair one. We'll see if that actually plays out in real life. And the Chris Paul one is thirty million per year. If you could knock it down seventeen million dollars, then you can easily spend that uh, that bigger mid level exception. The apron's not really even a concern in in uh, in that regard. So that's one thing. Um, Then, and I mean, I think like you have to look at him opting into this deal then that takes a little bit of the mystery for the next few years out, right? Because I mean, he could opt into his deal and what if he sucks this year? You could just say, all right, see you later. Like after this year. Um, So it would be like, there would be a lot more pressure on him this season. Like, I think he would be scrutinized a ton, maybe even more than this year because the Sixers actually could say, all right, we don't like where this is going at this point. Um, And like, we're just going to move on. And, like you said, there's there cap space down the line, whether there could be some in 23, 24, I think. There definitely could be a lot in 24, 25. Like you said, when Maxi's cap hold is low, Tobias comes off the books. Um, but I, I do think like the best option for this year's team is for him to sign at a lower salary.
2: No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And I think we can talk about how much that would benefit like how much having the full, the, the biannual is pretty low on the list of concerns, but that mm-hmm. larger mid-level is a, it, it will get you a better player. It'll give you a lot more bargaining power. Comes out a little bit of cost. Like you said, with the trade uh, concerns, not being able to take back more money uh, than you can send out. That would hamper your flexibility a little bit down the line, but quite frankly, and uh, really what we're talking about there is it's a Tobias trade. He is the one contract that you can move that would actually take back more salary in a trade. But, it's really, it's really that spending power for that larger mid-level, which is important for a team that has no real depth. Uh, it would be great to not have to rely on Matisse Thibel to be a starter next year. That would be something you could do with that, with that bigger mid-level, but it does come at like, I struggle <laughs> a little bit on what exactly to prioritize because no, I, I don't think know either. When yeah. we start talking about t- like the 20, the summer of 2025, three years down the line, I think a lot of people say, well, shit, Embiid might be out of his prime by then. I don't know if I really agree with that. Like, Embiid will be 31 in 2025. And I think he's got, look, there's two ways this can go. There's a catastrophic injury, which no doubt is a concern. But if that doesn't happen, I think he's still going to be in effective. Will he be an MVP candidate? Maybe not. You know, I think in part because if I'm going to see one aspect of his game trail off, it would probably be on the defensive end because just being a seven to 300 pound guy and moving in space, it's not all that easy to do. And if injuries build up, I think that's where it's going to impact him. But other than that, he could still be a all NBA caliber player at 31. I could definitely see that. He could definitely be a guy who could be a major, major contributor to a, a foundational piece to a contending team. And also a guy who can attract other quality, borderline star level players to come join him in a what could be a pretty unprecedented cap space. Spike. I know a lot of people don't want to hear, like, we should be, wor- you know, interested in signing free agents again because that didn't work out during the Colangelo regime. It doesn't work out in general. But, a lot, but this is very different. In 2016, you were like Joel Embiid hadn't played a game of basketball yet. Like, there's a reason why the, the free agents they were able to sign in 2016 were like Jared Bayless. They didn't have any reason to attract anyone. 2017, after Embiid played 31 games, you had a little more of a draw, and you were able to get JJ Redick. Well, yeah. if you have borderline MVP, yeah, if you have borderline MVP, Joel Embiid, like that's a different. Like you have a better chance of being the Warriors than you do of getting the next Evan Turner. And again, that, that's a real concern <laughs> because if you miss out on the stars, it's, but that summer, teams will probably overpay by a lot. It's
0: it's a great point where you you have to self evaluate, like how long is Embiid going to be this good, right and you know, you kind of see it with the Warriors right now where they, they basically tried to win now while also keeping all of these young guys who they think, you know, the Kamingas, the Wisemans, the uh, the Pools, they think that they're like the bridge to the next great Warriors team. I'm not sure if when Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond are way out of their primes, they are going to be that good, but they're they're trying to bridge the gap of both of those. And for the Sixers, they have to consider like, yeah, I mean, you looked at the twenty four off season. You said that already. I mean, I'm just looking at the cap sheet right now. If it's a hundred and seventy one million dollars, they'll have like,
2: they'll have Embiid and Maxi, Jaden Springer. Oh no, I'm in my all my calculations. I'm declining that fourth year to get the extra couple mil. Okay, yeah, fine. But yes,
0: yes, he would be there. That would be a hundred and twenty million dollars in cap space. Now, the, that's like two max salaries at that point, but. Whatever, like that's a lot of money.
2: So and that's part of the point. Like, I think a lot of people looked at this and said they mortgage their future for James Harden. Well, no, if you if you do this right, you could both have James Harden for the next couple of years and have a starting point of Maxi and and Max cap space, and form a big three that still has legs to it.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply? See terms at discover com slash credit card.
0: So I mean, do you think there's a shorter term contract, I guess, to be to be had with hardware? We we don't want all of those years. We don't want this spread out
2: that yeah. far. So I think I think If I'm going to deprioritize one thing, it would be the summer of 2024, in large part because I don't see any real good free agents signing a long-term deal. So I'm punting that. So what does that mean? That means that it opens up Harden for a three-year deal that might be slight overpay in per-year money, but you're willing to do that. Now, does that mean a $45 million starting point? Downside of that is it doesn't really, like, you're throwing away the non-taxpayer mid-level. Like, you're going to be worried about the apron with that. Yeah. But if you give him like a three-year, you know, $124 million, something in that range contract, would that be something he would be interested in? And I think a lot of people are going to hear that because then you have, you're basically punting on having cap space or at least max cap space in 2024, which I'm not too concerned with because I think a lot of the free agents aren't going to want to sign long term. But you will have max cap space in 2025. I think a lot of people hear that and be like, well, James Harden's not signing that. And he might not, but I think when you start looking around at the teams who could offer him a contract this summer, I don't think his bargaining power is quite as strong as a lot of people assume. Like you start looking at the teams, you know you're talking about the magic, the pistons, the pacers, the spurs, those kind of teams. First of all, none of them have max cap space. So you're talking they could probably max him out at like four years, like one hundred and thirty million, something in that range. Well, if you're getting that one hundred and twenty four million over three years that's a better contract. But also if you're the magic, none of them want, want him. Why would, even if they would want him and maybe they would say like, look, he can teach our young players how to win I or something know. like that. Or compu- I don't think but they even, can even do that. <laughs> even if they did, why would they have any confidence that this guy who has just worked his way off of two franchises in the span of a year and a half Can't wouldn't be it, sitting it, here it, in a year going, Well, screw this. I don't want to be in Orlando and win 35 games. Like why it, would it, any of these teams, maybe the Spurs, yeah. No. Maybe no. the Pacers, but no, I can't the Spurs, like No way. I, I don't look. I don't think there's any real, I think he has and coming off of the year that he had the injury concerns that he has. And the fact that he's 32 going on 33. I don't think this is a guy with significant bargaining leverage. And maybe you say, look, here's a three year, $120 million deal. And he goes, screw you. I'm leaving. Maybe he does that just based off of principle and pride and, ego i don't know but i think it might be the best contract he might get but i would try to keep it a three-year deal punt on 2024 25 having max space but have max space in 2025 that would be my goal while still Hmm. keeping some flexibility under the uh under the apron this year
0: interesting yeah i think whatever lets you use that non-taxpayer or Yeah. Like you, like you said, the the, The bigger one, I'm going to rename it to this podcast is terrible exception. That's what we're going to call it uh, from now. on. But yeah, I I think if, if you're able to do that and look, I think when you sign this contract, you also have to, I think we have to talk about Tobias being involved in here too. Like if you can swing a trade for Tobias, you know, hard and sad at the end of the year. Yeah. Whatever, whatever they need, like whatever they need to get, um, you know, players around me. Now, look, that doesn't really mean anything. But I think from like the Sixers' standpoint, if there is a trade to be had where they can get two players for Tobias, turn Tobias from one into two, yeah, um, maybe he takes a you know three or four or less million dollars for that and say, hey, like, look, we got two guys who can guard, and you know, oh, and the other the other good thing is too, if there is a trade like that to be had, I think you could go to him and say they're probably going to be two guys who need their feet cemented into the ground who can, who can shoot threes like, and that's it. And be like, Hey, like play a little bit Houston ball with this, with these guys. Yep. Um, yeah. So to me, I, I think that my biggest priority, because again, I think we're assuming that you're waving Danny. And yeah. Unfortunately. Saying goodbye. Bring stinks. him
2: back. Maybe if he wants to come back when he's healed. Sure.
0: Yep. Um, my biggest priority is having that non-taxpayer mm-hmm. mid-level. That's the, that's the first one because I, I think you can get a better player with that. Like, yeah, I think maybe maybe able to you can split that into two, right? If you wanted yeah, 100%, to, hundred like, percent.
2: They did it they last year. Well, they did it with the taxpayer last year, but they split it into Bassi and Yang. Yep.
0: So, and it's and that's essentially you know it's, that's less than the the taxpayer, but you can get two guys with that. So I, I think anything to to increase your depth and and add players. I I think as I've kind of looked at them being able to get the non taxpayer, I'm a little more bullish on them being able to get like two or three guys who have a chance to stick in the rotation. They have a little more financial flexibility again, depending on what happens with this hardened thing. Then maybe I thought coming after the season until like you sit down and look at it and say, all right, they, you know, they'll be able to take some swings on, on some, like some decent players here. Um, But yeah, so, so what you're saying is be able to knock it down so you can use that. You can use that exception. But also keep 2025 open, yeah. just in case.
2: Like I said, I think there are three real priorities you have with this contract. There's having flexibility under the apron this year, so you can use a larger exception. There's having cap space in 2024, when Maxi's cap hold is way less than his eventual contract that he signs is worth. And there's having cap space in 2025, when there could be a giant spike in the cap, and you could build a new and renewed big three if I'm prioritizing those three, or I guess phrase another way, if I'm willing to give up one of those three, because it would be very tough to do with something that would satisfy all three of those goals, I'm giving up 2024. I'm prioritizing having room under the apron this year. I'm prioritizing having a chance to rebuild your big three in 2025, willing to concede that 2024 pursuit. So that might even mean, like I saw, I I think it was Daniel Rue throughout a five-year 175 potential offer. I'm not willing to go quite that high, but if you give him like a five-year, 145 million dollar type thing, start it off at about 35 million, million, de-escalate from there, you could satisfy two of those three, give him a pretty good guarantee. Yeah. Now here's the other thing: he might. That would, he might, that would have
0: to be non-guaranteed. Like the fifth year. Like I.
2: I... Yeah, but if we were talking about a 20. Like uh, the number I have in front of me, like the final year would be like 23.8 million dollars. A yeah. mid-level by that point might, would be like be fifteen million. Yeah. <laughs> so like it's 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 not uh, what we started off this podcast. It's not as bad as it currently sounds. So yeah, those would sort of like be my prioritize priorities, and I might be willing to say like if he's pushes back on like a three-year one hundred twenty million dollars, I might be willing to up that a little bit uh, and just completely punt on 2024, 25 and even maybe. <sighs> But If he
0: says no no to that, he's crazy. I I don't think he's getting
2: more elsewhere, but I might be willing to budge a little bit on that, but that's sort of where my thinking is. Try to keep it three years, unless you can just get him at five years way under. Um, Like I said, five years, $140, $150 million de-escalating. So it's like a 23 or so cap hit on the final year. I could talk about that because that satisfies a lot of priorities. That gives you $12 million under the apron from his $47 million starting point. That gives you clo- it wouldn't give you a max in 2025, but it would give you close to it. Like I could maybe be talked into that, but I'd I'd prefer to do whatever I can and keep this three years.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny because a lot of people have said four years 120 would be the offer if you're not prioritizing that, if you're just trying to look in terms of you're, fairness, not, get, you're, not, you're like, not
2: getting max cap space then in twenty twenty five. No,
0: unless unless there's like Unless Maxi like,
2: takes a less than max, but I don't necessarily see it happening.
0: Yeah. So and I'll just be, I will be fascinated to know what Harden accepts because yeah. I mean, you said three one twenty. to me. That's like, that's a no brainer. He didn't play well enough to get that off no, this he, year, but the Sixers are in a spot where they're, you know, they're balancing these interests and they are trying to win a title. And unfortunately he's kind of their best chance to, to still win a title. Like he's, he's what is available to them after this trade.
2: Yeah. And that's sort of, like I said, when you talk about priorities, he is their best chance currently to win at a high level, but you also got to realize that you're going to have to rebuild this because he's not sticking around long-term. So those are sort of the two priorities that I have. Um, it's not perfect,
0: but it's honestly like... It's it's almost good, though, because they're so kind of... Like, like, they're far ab- above the cap right now, where they're not really playing with cap space this year. Yeah, like, this no. year... It's, it's, it's get to the, it's get to the level of the exception. And then that's all you have. Like that's, you know, yeah, it'll be restrictive during the year. If you're up, by the way, being up against the apron when you're a good team and like to make maneuvers during the season, that sucks.
2: Oh, if you're like, like right up at it and you're like, well, I don't know if we can assign this minimum contract guy. Like, let's go cut someone. Yeah, no, it, it does. Absolutely.
0: I remember the Warriors did it. Remember when they. They did the sign and trade with Durant, and they got back D'Angelo Russell because they wanted they wanted what they they viewed as you know a player that in a contract that is an asset, and it eventually worked out for them. You know they traded for Wiggins, they got a first round pick, and you know credit to Joe Lacob for spending all that money that first year. Now, luckily, they were the worst team in the league, so it didn't really matter. But they were like they were moving deck chairs on the Titanic that year. It yeah. was impossible. They couldn't even. Yeah. So it's uh.
2: And that is one but, thing we've sort we'll of have. like completely ignored is repeater tax and whether or not Josh Harris would pay it. And if he's not willing to pay the repeater tax, like sell the fucking team. <laughs> like there's <Yeah. laughs> when you're talking about contending for a title and you're like, Oh man, I might lose twenty million dollars, like yeah. I and I think he will pay the the repeater I, tax I, for, I do the too. Record, for the rest. Yeah. But like avoiding that would be almost impossible.
0: You don't want to uh you don't want to crunky it up, you know? Yeah.
2: So yeah, I'm not sure. In part because I don't really remember everything that we said, but I'm not sure I have too much more than that. You can't give him that five year max, and no. I do wonder what what they talked about before the trade. But you can't do it. And if he just says, you know what, I don't like any of these. I'm taking my one year forty seven mil. Okay. Yeah. Let's, That's that means not that. the worst co- uh, scenario in the world. So let's talk about that. So
0: so he takes the the forty seven million. You go into next year, and he's an unrestricted free agent it would be surprising if he kind of played his way into another
2: max level. Yeah. Let's say
0: max ish. Even no. like, like I don't think. Cause again, I don't think like if, if he's awesome this year, it doesn't, I, I, I can't see him getting back to that level.
2: Well, not only that, it's, but like if he's negotiating next summer, that contract, he will be 34 when that contract starts. I yeah. can't, I no. So to me,
0: it's in his best interest to get as much money as he can. I I understand it's look it's nice that the forty seven number is nice and it's that sucks a little bit that you got to move off it a little bit but I I do think he has to be honest with himself and like look both sides are taking on some risk in that scenario but um I like look there's a scenario where he really sucks again and the Sixers have a very interesting decision
2: Um and by by really sucks like I I we're you know we're talking about really by sucks, yeah. his standards I shouldn't um, say.
0: Yeah, that was too harsh.
2: <laughs> the, the, the playoffs are still stuck in our mind.
0: The, sure. Game six is still in my mind, and honestly, I, I do get a little bit annoyed. I did. I did just say really sucks. It does, sh- <laughs> does go to show the thoughtfulness on a podcast versus like like writing out a piece. But I I, I do like th- there were things that Harden you really did this sucked year. in Game six. That's fun. yeah. But in Game four, he was awesome, and that was lucky. But in Game. In, like, the Toronto series, I, I do think, like, there are a lot of guys that the Sixers would have traded for, pretty much all of them. I'm not sure if they get through the Toronto series with those other players yeah. versus Harden. Just because of his playmaking and, you know, his ability to just run an offense for a half at a super high level. And he still has that. So that's part of the reason we're still talking about giving him, uh, you know, yeah. $40 million, $30 million, whatever. A lot, a lot of million dollars uh, per year.
2: Yeah, these, 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 well, just talking about big money, like these contracts in that new national TV deal era, like if they don't smooth the cap, you could be talking about a $60 million starting point. You could be talking about players signing legitimately like, you know, five years, like $330 million. Like it could be absurd.
0: See, that's when it's going to get crazy though, because I I think as, as the max salaries move higher and higher and higher, there's going to be a middle class of players where it's just like, what do you, what do you pay them? You know, like, what is it? Do you just keep moving everything? Like, there's just so much wiggle room when you're talking about this much money. And you know, I like, maybe it's a good thing overall because you know, the ma we, we've talked about this before, but like the max salary system, who does it deflate the most? Like whose salary? Like LeBron KD. Yep. yep. Those are the guys. If it was, you know, if it was a, you're
2: moving uh, away from that for sure. A
0: hard salary cap. Yeah.
2: But man, I mean, well, because remember back in the day, like a max but salary, t- be like $15 million and a mid-level yeah. five, like, okay, that's a $10 million gap. But if you're talking about a max salary where a player could be making $65 million and a mid-level is 15, like, whew. Yeah, can you, you
0: imagine what that level though? Uh, but Because again, th- there aren't enough players that deserve that max salary, like quote unquote deserve that max salary or they're not, there's not 30 players in the league or 60 players that are equal uh, in talent. Man, that that version of the Tobias contract in those years is going to be. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, yes, it will.
0: Um, Oh boy. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much all I got though.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It's without getting, we could probably talk a lot more. Um, but I feel like that would be better for written content because quite frankly, some of these details that we get in the nitty gritty, I really just wanted to focus on the priorities really, which is the apron this year, cap space, when the national TV deal hits and sort of go over all those concerns, Um, because otherwise it can get too much.
0: But it's a good reminder that, you know, when they're talking about this, this negotiation, which is, by the way, like, there's a reason we did a whole podcast on this. It's fucking huge. It's really important. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of very serious things that you have to consider. Like there, it's just not you can't just plan for the present and completely go all in because it would be nice to have a competitive basketball team in 2025 if Joel Embiid yeah. is still awesome, you know? I think- it would be it would be nice like to, you know, I know we talked last part about uh about his tweets about threatening to leave and, you know, who again, who knows what's going to happen in 2025. Um so you don't sell out all for that, but you you consider it. You no, don't yeah, want to be, back your mind. you yep. don't want to be crippled, uh, at that point. And, uh, and yeah, there are ways. Look, none of the options we laid out are perfect. Like, you know, um, but you know, you, you do you do your best and you hope, uh, you hope everything turns out. Okay.
2: And again, <laughs> I think some people would be like, well, why would he take a pay cut? Well, look at, you brought up Chris Paul, which I think is a a, a good example. Like Chris Paul was making 40, almost $42 million last year. By last year, I mean 2021 when they went to the finals. You know, next year, he'll make $28 million. Like, mm-hmm. star-level players... Now, look, is, is James Harden Chris Paul? No. But you there is a case, especially if James Harden doesn't have the leverage to go out there and get $45-plus plus million dollars per year from a team for, on a long-term deal, there is... And again, I think looking at the teams that have cap space, why would they be interested in James Harden? I think it's a very fair question. I don't think he's getting anything close to what a lot of people assumed he would even just a couple months ago, but certainly not a year and a half ago when he was still playing at an MVP level. Uh, Like the drop and decline in production and perhaps most importantly, the drop and decline in athleticism and burst at his age, and again, he's going to be 33 entering next season, has to be taken into account. Uh, Like there's just, there's significant and I think legitimate concern that he will never get back to what he was. Which doesn't mean he can't be a good and useful player, but he will not get back to that top ten level player. And also there is just a realization that the teams out there probably aren't in the life cycle where they would even be interested in them.
1: Bye. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's more than the the drop in his stats or his play, because those are still pretty good. Like, those are still... He still racks up a ton of assists. He He's can still run...
2: showing the early signs of aging.
0: A pretty good offense. But it's... It's right. You're right. It's the athleticism. And it's also he probably more than any other player at the age of 32, 33 or whatever. There is a fear factor level with yeah. what happens when this guy is not quite as athletic. So it's um, I- I'm fascinated to see what, what, what his calculus is on this, too.
2: Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's all I have on Harden. Was there anything else that happened this past week that is uh, worth bringing up? My brain's pretty. Flat. Oh,
0: oh, the uh, the Sixers got their pick. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are two things. The two things that happened this year or this week. That and uh, Embiid had surgery.
2: Yeah. Yep. So Embiid had surgery on the thumb that he injured, uh, and also was it an index finger on the other hand? I believe so. So the right left thumb in, and the left, left index finger. Yeah. That Does not need and did not have surgery think, um, on. By the way, I've always looked at that face. Left-
0: I've always looked at that left index finger. It always does. It always did kind of curve in a, in a weird way. So I'm actually not surprised that he needed surgery.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't know entirely what the surgery was, um, but those were certainly noteworthy. You know, the pick in the draft is going to be interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to start scouting it. I still think they could use it as a trade chip. And mm-hmm. if you're confused on that, like the Sixers, Oh, the nets now their unprotected 2023 pick. So they can't trade that pick now before the draft, they could select someone and trade it after uh, I wonder if that is on the table, because like we mentioned, there's just not many avenues to get more depth. Uh, and will Doc Rivers trust another 20-year-old rookie in his playoff lineup? Well,
0: I will say if, if they do, we'll get into the draft in the next week or so, but they, uh, if they do keep that pick... Like I'm thinking the EJ Liddell level, yeah. Play. Like get, the
2: the get, get small a small ball up. center, power forward,
0: a- and a grown up too. Yeah. Like a guy who who might be able to help you right away because I, I just you know after Jaden Springer, I, I just I, I'm not as interested in an AT. No, okay.
2: um, lo- I was gonna start getting a scattering port on Liddell. Um, no, no, interesting guy. I'm not sure he's he's improved a lot as, as a shooter. Uh, would like to see a little more high volume, but that's a different podcast. There's a reason. We didn't start talking about the draft 35 minutes into a James Harden podcast, but he is certainly a name that I think would be interesting uh, because I agree with you. You need more immediate contributors, but quite frankly, I think there's a chance they trade that. Pick. Sure. I was surprised. I think they, they're going
0: to look, they looked to do it last year yeah, they, and they just couldn't get yeah. yep, a player. Now. I, I think that's the other issue with it too. Real quick. Is it, you know, picks in the twenties are not what they were.
2: No, five, but six, 23 is a little better, but this is a it's draft better. where the, it doesn't most people say, and I'm, I'm, not as in- attuned to the draft as I used to be. Most people will say that this isn't a very deep draft, so it's a it's a concern for sure.
0: Yeah, people have been saying that. You know what, though? As much as these drafts bleed together, I kind of wonder, is, is there ever a good draft? Like, like people are just so negative about drafts going into it. Like, I, I want to hear the first time, I, I want somebody to say, this draft is great at the top, there's a couple stars, and there's a lot of good contributors later in the draft. I don't think that happens any year. I think... at best it's like, ah, there's like one or two stars in this draft and then it sucks afterwards. That's the highest we get in the pre-draft rankings.
2: Well, not not only that. And I I agree with you. It's usually either good at the top or deep. People don't usually describe it as both, but I remember a lot of times, like we're just so bad at projecting that anyway. Like I remember the 2015 draft. Everyone's like, oh man, look how deep this is. And they all sucked.
0: 2009 was supposed to be a horrible draft. That's like one of the best drafts ever. Yeah.
2: Oh, I remember all those times debating Justice Winslow and Stanley Johnson and Trey Lyles, and he became a decent role player. But like Mario Hazonia, like that draft just ended up being a colossal shitfest. Anyway, I remember it's killing good. Boston because they took Terry Rogier. It's a good note, very good. good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a tough thing for sure. They can say it's a a not deep draft all they want, but we will only know that in about five years. But anyway, we will have more podcasts to talk about that coming up thank you rich for jumping on and we will talk to you soon
0: see you then.